Era, era, two heels in a face. Thanks for listening to this episode of Two Heels in a Face Wrestling Podcast. On today's episode, we have... Uh, imagine going through a buffet line at an express rate. Um, that's what this episode if there, is. If there was a, a buffet line <laughs> at a gas station. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're, you're talking, you're going, you're moving. You're getting a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, someone grabbed you a coffee. Someone grabbed you a Gatorade from the... A gas station buffet line. No, it's during it's your a, lunch break. <laughs> during your lunch break, it's, it's it was meant to be a buffet line episode. There was many. It's is it, it uh, internet. Um, a little bit of that, which I have some ideas on. I mean, we could do a fix in the future. Um, it was a little bit of kids, right? He's a dad. That's not his fault. Uh, a little, little, our guest is a little yeah, craziness to be there. Respectful of, of 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 you know our our guest is Robert Eagle Anthony, and yes. we wanted to be respectful of his time. Uh, while time. also having some connection issues or technical difficulties, let's just say that. So hopefully by the time you're hearing this, Chris has really done a great job editing. And uh, we're going to do an express buffet line with Robert Ego Anthony. He we he really gives us his, like, his thoughts and his, his brain and the way he thinks in this episode. I really enjoyed it to the point where an hour flew by and I felt like we were talking for 20 minutes because I think his answers were really good. Um, we touched on Storm Grayson, which we talked about last week. If you haven't listened to the episode, go do it. Uh, before we get into the interview, Chris, how are you doing as a human being today? Uh, doing well, we actually. So to give the, the listeners a, a little bit of a insight uh, into our recording schedules, right? We, we planned this recording with Ego and uh, my, my power went out. Uh, so we couldn't record the yeah. day we planned on. Um, and he was graceful enough to... To give us another date, and here we are. We recorded with them, and um, you know, just you know, any hurdles that come our way, you know, we, we have to figure it out, Charlie. And and I think we're doing just fine. I, I think I hope you don't mind me just jumping around the buffet line. I was just going to different questions based on I felt like what he was saying. It turned out to be an awesome interview, still. Uh, and Chris, if you're ready, I think we can take us there. Absolutely. So just again, uh, full disclaimer that there might be some choppy parts. I'll do my best in, in editing once you're listening to this. Um, again, technical difficulties. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think you're going to get a, a great episode. Um, you're going to get some insight into his thought process when it comes to planning, not just a match, but a storyline. Yes. And, and, you know, very unique individual. And 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 I had a, a super fun time just, you know, having this um, just this time with them. So um, we'll just, you know, going to go ahead and uh, kick it off to the full episode. All right. Let's go. Yo. All right. Yo. Can you hear me? Yeah, can. Can you hear us? Bro, as soon as you guys hit record, as soon as you hit record, this <laughs> whole thing just lagged out. <laughs> You sounded like a bunch of robots on crack. I wasn't understanding anything going on. It kicked me out twice. Okay. What kind of setup do you guys got going on? <laughs> I, I mean, I can hear Chris. I can. He's not lagging. I don't know. Was it an internet thing? That's. Bro, I'm a 40 year old man. I got internet up for days. I got a two. I got a two year old screaming for her mother. We're on a thing called StreamYard. I never heard about it in my entire life. <laughs> Don't listen. I podcast now too. Potting with Ego available on Fridays yes. as long as I have a guest or something or something to talk about. I'm over here just throwing shit up. 
on on iTunes having fun. You guys have got over here with the, all these goddamn internet connections. Get, get your shit together, boys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, try. I mean, it's um, you know, this is a, a way to get the the listeners and the viewers, you know, a more in depth connection with with, with Ego. So now we got we got video. So having trouble connecting. Everyone's gone. Now one person's back. Now there's two people back. <laughs> oh my! This is getting this is getting ridiculous. Should we try Zoom? We could try one, Zoom. We got a guitar player in one area. No, let's do this. We're we're gonna we're gonna stick along with this. You, you're okay. on Streamyard. We're we're doing this. <laughs> Streamyard. Let's Streamyard go. Official. Uh, well, welcome to the buffet line. Um, yes. We yeah we put these on YouTube. I know you have the the fitness YouTube channel. Uh, oh, hold on, wait. Wait, 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 wait. We're gonna go. We're gonna try. We're gonna talk about something. Else. Hold on. Okay. Number one, Robert Anthony, Egadisco Fantasco in some circles here. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel. The fitness thing went away because it got zero mm. views. Maybe like twenty people viewed the fitness stuff. People are not into okay. fitness. So even though that the youtubecom fitness is the URL. Just type in Robert Ego Anthony. Yes. I do I do Monday wrestling style vlogs every Monday, and then uh, we go on from there. So we went we went past the YouTube fitness videos uh, because people just didn't care. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going more. We're doing more unboxings and vlogs yeah. and whatever whatever's out there. Yeah, I so I, I've been listening to Potting with Ego. I've enjoyed it. Um, oh, thank you. I don't. I don't. You, a couple many times on your episodes, you say you're you're not a technological person. Um, no, but I would. But you do have a YouTube channel. Like, are you enjoying the aspect of the the creation, the recording, and the uploading, and all that? So my right hand man, uh, Xavier at Pro Wrestling Shoots at Pro Wrestling Shoots. Okay. Uh, I I got a MacBook Pro. I gave it to Xavier. He gave. He illegally downloaded uh final cut pro so so xavier illegally downloaded final cut pro onto my computer allegedly then i went on youtube illegally 100 percent illegal i didn't pay for it <laughs> we had it we, we stole it he he took it and he gave it to me for free 400 dollars program for free i went on youtube and i uh searched a bunch of 10 and 12 year olds that teach me how to do editing on my computer. Uh, I'm getting really, really good at it. Okay. And, uh, and I do find joy in doing, uh, the basics. I believe in this editing thing. It's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. I think you, you're able to learn still. I mean, you, in some areas, I, in yeah. some areas I feel like I'm technologically inept. That's why I have Chris. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like you've been diving in and doing some cool stuff. Um, I have, I have also heard on your podcast that you, I think at least the sense of it that I'm getting is you really enjoyed the mentoring side as well, like kind of running the freelance yeah, yeah. academy. Um, so I'm one of just, three trainers. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I wanted to just check in to see how that has been thus far and like how you've, because I know you were, I don't know if you were a trainer or had before, but now I feel like you kind of shifted more fully into that. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I took people under my wing. As the yeah. years went on, but I never fully trained anyone until I got to freelance. Uh, myself, Kylie Ray, and Isaiah Velasquez are the three trainers at the Freelance mm -hmm. Academy. And once I jumped into that role, it's been very fulfilling 
And I, and I told those kids that my legacy these days are seeing them succeed. So that way okay. it helps me out selfishly backstage if I want to take that career part of my life a little higher. So I, right. I, uh, I'm, at, I'm at a point in my life where AEW is not going to have a 40-year-old Robert Anthony as world champion. But they might have a 25-year-old freelance student that I helped train as world champion. And that's something that I do want. I, I really do want that. And, uh, and not many wrestling schools have that. A lot of wrestling schools have trainers that are still trying to live that dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very self-aware. I know that, I know that uh, my days are numbered. And and I'm trying to figure out what's next, and I think that is what's next is helping the next generation. And once you figure that out, then then you know that you're with the right person to help you because they're not trying to stab you in the back at the same at the same time. Yeah, I uh, I want to, Chris. Do you mind if I jump around on this agenda? I know we prepared a buffet line, but I feel Listen, like ego's answers are taking us different ways, and I'm just going to sure. kind of roll with it to make the conversation. Uh, a little bit more. I want to talk about some of your your mentors, not some of your mentors, but some of the people you have mentored. So some of your trainees. Sure. Um, talk yeah. about working and training Chico because we we're a huge fan of Chico on this podcast. So like, how has that relationship grown? Uh, everyone's friend Chico. That that's that's what we call him uh, behind the scenes. At least I do because he's everyone's friend. I. Uh, Chico does everything for everyone, mm-hmm. and I feel he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for that. He he does things for people uh, out of the kindness of his heart. Sometimes I feel that it's a weakness of his because I don't want anyone to take advantage of him. Okay. But he has all the potential in the world because he's willing to learn and grow from a lot of different avenues in pro wrestling. I said that if Chico ever fell into the James Ellsworth role, he would have a job for life, managing a Carmella or doing that type of role because he would never screw it up the way other people would. Um, he, to get noticed, because Chico is short, to get noticed, Chico needs to get in insane shape. Think ECW Taz. He needs okay. to be that thick and like, like big, you know what I mean? Because right off the bat, anyone that's going to give him a job, the first thing you're going to notice is his height, which sucks, but that's the nature of the wrestling business. Yeah. You know, apparently height is a big big topic in the world of, of wrestling these days, but uh, that that's just off the bat. It's an upper body business. It's, it used to be a height business, but um, he needs to have something to combat that, and his charisma is already there. He needs to find a look. He needs to find a uh, something that just captivates more than what he does now, right? But um, he listens. He's a great dude, and I I personally hope that he is very successful. Yeah. No, we uh, I think we agree with that sentiment. It's cool that he's seems to be gaining consistent momentum, um, and I feel like he has. Yep. He and he did a really good job. So he wasn't a manager role. In the Monix versus Knicks blow off, um, yes. he, Did you watch that? I thought he, he did a really good job in that match. Or did you get any feedback up or have any feedback for him in that uh, regard? I only watched a few things. I didn't watch many. I um, hmm. I am very critical about different storylines and ideas and bookings because I think that's my forte. 
like when I was running Berwin and, and I'm doing right. the baseball shows now. Uh, I, I would have had Chico do something a little bit different. Uh, okay. Because he needs he needs more rope to create, but um, he he needs promoters to number one take a chance on him, and number two give him the the room to create. Right. So yeah, the freelance underground from what I did watch him with Monix, it was just Chico being like stepped on and and uh forced to do xyz blah 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 but i think that storyline's still going on i don't know what the payoff is because i'm not behind the scenes there but hopefully there's a payoff and then when there is a payoff hopefully there's a big run for them you know what i mean they, they got to give the kid the ball and let him right. create and do something fun yeah absolutely um go ahead chris all right cool so basically what i was asking is who were those those mentors for you as as you were coming up were there any or was it just just you keeping your eyes open, mouth shut, and, and ears open? Mm. Uh, man, I was wild. Uh, <laughs> so I definitely wasn't keeping my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> my my mentors came my mentors came late in life, so it wasn't until I was till I I was about four or five years in before I started getting people steering me in the right direction. Um, uh, number one was Harley Race. When I went to Harley Race, he helped me steer me in the right direction. Ace Steel gave me a lot of lot of uh, positive uh, feedback and things like that. But it, but as far as when I got my my shit together, was I signed Developmental in 05, and end of 05 ish, around 06, and and then when I got fired is when I started learning a lot of the lessons I should have known uh, the past five years. You know what I mean? So, like, I learned lessons of, like, respect right off the bat. But I didn't learn what I'm teaching the kids now, which is a lot of the in-ring little things. I was never a politic or anything like that. But uh, Harley Race was a main mentor of mine. Bill DeMont was a mentor of mine. Um, and, and I just picked up a lot of things along the way. It was different when I started. Not many people. I had a home, but my home like shut down, and you leave your home, and things like that. And and a lot of people didn't want you to succeed, so you would get a lot of the bad advice, and you didn't know really what to take. So it was a tough time in the in the early two thousands uh, navigating this thing called pro wrestling. But I found never. Yeah, that sounds unfortunate. I, it sucks that it's like that. Uh, I think I, I picked up some of that from listening to a few of your episodes on Potting with Ego too about just how shitty things can yeah. be. It's good that it sounds like you're trying to reverse that for some and almost stop that trend with your mentoring. Um, obviously, so I mean you're giving out the best advice that you can, which I, I believe you are. Um, what is so, so here, I'll give you an example. Fuck, fuck it. Uh, stupid Joe Alonzo. I idiot Joe Alonzo. The first kid that I really decided I wanted to help. Okay. And, and, I, and I call him an idiot. I call him an idiot out of love because I love the kid. But I, I would tell him something and he would do the complete opposite of it. And I give him, I give him examples of why not to do something. And then maybe he would get it or things like that. So uh, it, it wasn't until he lost everything until he started realizing 
that yeah. the things I was telling him were the things he needed to know, right? And now he's on this big redemption story and this big, this hopefully good comeback of his career because a lot of the things that he did stupid when he was 19 to 20, 21 years old in that three-year time span. So uh, it, 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 sometimes it takes people losing things to figure out who they are. And uh, when you're really young, not just Joe, but anyone, when you're really, really, really young and you feel that you're invincible, uh, you're not going to listen to advice of someone that's way older than you because you don't respect them, right? A lot of young kids don't respect their elders. And it's not okay. until they get a little bit older until they get wiser. Like um, over at NWA, I had a con- uh, Billy Corgan and I are friends. And he told me, he goes, if you would have told me when I was 22 years old, making millions of dollars to slow down and save your money and blah, 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 do this. He'd be like, I tell you, go fuck yourself because I'm 22 years old, making millions of dollars. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, but now that I'm older, I, I realize what those people were telling me to do. Right. So it goes in any business, the music business, the wrestling business, young kids have a hard time with authority or people telling them what not to do. Right. So it's, it's my job to say, this is how I messed up. Don't make the same mistakes. And sometimes that clicks with people and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like that uh, you have been someone who has been receptive of your advice has been storm. We had a whole hour, yeah. 12 minute podcast with him last week, which uh, once again, I'm, to you, who, whoever's listening, the listener, I would go check that out because uh, I thought he really opened up to us and, and, and uh, like you could t- like, and tell, you could tell in some of the things he was saying, like, it's almost like he grew, he's growing more confident and he even more confident, sure. I think, as the as the interview went on and talking to us, and like he's had some anxiety there. But it sounds like he's he's rece- uh, receptive to your advice. Would you say he's been receptive to your advice? And like, how has it been mentoring him and watching him grow into this role? Yeah, I try to give him as much advice as I can, and and he takes it and he puts he puts it in place. He just needs to, um, like you said, the confident part of it. He needs to do the things that he's not confident with more often. Yeah. He needs to do more public speaking. He needs to talk more in front of the camera. He needs to, do, like I said to him, I go, you already know how to do a tackle drop down leapfrog reverse fucking hurricane. <laughs> now I need to start cut. Now, now I need to start cutting promos because yeah. that's where he's lacking and he's afraid to. And, and I never got that part of life of wrestling because you hear a lot of people say stage fright, but I almost believe that that didn't exist in pro wrestling because we want to talk on microphones. We want to get booed. We want to get cheered. So I never really met uh, in the early 2000s. And I never met a performer, a wrestler that was afraid to talk on the mic or didn't want to do it a lot. Right. Sometimes you had to like force us back in the day, not to have mic time. Now, nowadays, it's pulling teeth to get people to do promos and things like that. They just want to wrestle. They don't want to talk. Okay. So uh, a lot of this generation needs to work on that, and especially Storm. He needs to work on that. That's the only one area that he's lacking in because uh, once he figures that out, that's going to be great for him. Yeah. And Did you Were you always a good promo? Like, were you guys – were you always good no. on the mic? Or you grew into mm. – there you go now. I – 
Yeah, I was the shits on the mic for almost almost nine years. Terrible. Oh shit! And it wasn't it wasn't until I got fired from WWE and went to CZW is when I figured it out. When when I when I started cutting promos at CZW, they let me do whatever I want and they let me like create. And that's when I was got really good. Um, nice, because uh, I was terrible, terrible. But it wasn't until I did, I had the I didn't care attitude and had some anger and had some things to talk about. That's when things got better. Yeah, was it? Uh, and I want to I want to point out if someone's listening and is like. All the things we said about Storm, he obviously he admitted last week. So we're not saying anything bad or anything that like we're not attacking him anyway. He's he admitted he's like that's why he came on the podcast. He's like, I want to do more speaking, so I'm on your podcast, etc. Um, oh, uh, no. So Frank, <laughs> uh, my relationship with Frank, man. Sorry for that long delay. Frank is yeah. a shithead. Um, I, I wait. Hold on one uh, second before before you get into it. I wanna because you because you do a really good. I think your episode with him was great. Um, on okay. potting with ego, the one thing, and I feel like you guys have a good dynamic. It's almost like a little bit of brotherly love and things like that. Um, I want. I'm. Yeah. I'm curious because on that episode too, you talk about how there are some things that you feel like you're like kind of like a grizzled vet, or some things that you don't really like that some younger people are doing. Um, and Frank is of the younger generation, so to me, it seems like. It seems like you wouldn't want to help him or give him advice or like look out for him, like you say, have his back. My question is why? Why yeah. start taking a chance to stick your neck out for Frank the Clown? Like it has paid off. We now see the value in him being sure. on shows, but but why to do that yeah. to start with? So uh, uh, quick story, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. Robert Anthony was getting stale at freelance. And I needed something else to do. Um, I didn't have much going on. So I decided, I met Frank at a show and I had this weird idea that maybe I need a manager and maybe I could use this kid as the manager. And freelance would not let me use him for about two years. I begged for two years. Yeah. And eventually one day they were like, all right, let's, let's roll with it. And, um, I saw potential in it. I had a vision. And okay. And that's what I always tell Frank. I brought him in the business. If it wasn't for me, he'd still be sitting at his ass in the front row uh, doing nothing. <laughs> and I saw Frank and I are doing now at Freelance. And that's why we butt heads so much because it's my baby, I feel. The Frank, the Frank and Robert Anthony duo in Freelance yeah. Wrestling – is what my vision was once I met him, the 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 presentation of it, the uh, the camaraderie of it, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm very protective of it for for the first okay up until that Kylie Ray match. I wouldn't let anyone touch Frank. Everyone wanted to beat up Frank. I said, "No, you're not touching him." For almost three years, two and a half years, we waited until Kylie Ray beat him up. That was the first time anyone ever beat up Frank, and. I protected that, right? So when you ask me why Frank, it's 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 a it's not complicated in the form that I knew I was stale as a act in freelance, just doing scramble matches, not doing much, and I knew I needed something different. I saw this kid, I knew he could talk, I knew he, people hated him, legitimately hated him, 
And yep. uh, I wanted to try something new. And it, luckily, they let me do it, but it took two years for them to even say yes. Right. Do, yeah. Okay, that makes that makes more sense with the vision and everything. Um, yeah. You, it, Hence and, why I yell at him about stupid war. I, I yell at his <laughs> ass about Warrior. Because every time his dumb shit goes to Warrior, he gets beat up, he gets jobbed out to people, and he's and he's not protecting the thing that I my vision. That's why I get mad at him. We we have okay. legit fights on the phone, yeah. Frank and I, and 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 I and I legitimately get mad. Like when he broke his arm at Warrior, I was like, "You idiot!" It, it, that never, none of that happens when I'm around. So uh, he usually gets mad at me. He's like, "You're not letting me do. You're not. You're, you're not that I'm holding him back." But he's like, you're stopping me from doing a lot more stuff. I go, but I'm stopping you from doing the stuff that's dangerous or burying. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and I said, and, and I, I said, and I gave him an example. I go, I go, Frank, listen, in almost three years of freelance, you got hit by one person, Kylie Ray. In fucking 10 shows at Warrior, you got your balls burned off by Mick Foley. You got beat up by fucking <laughs> David Arquette. You got thrown. <laughs> you got thrown off the bleachers by Lance Archer. Joey Janela tombstoned you through a door. You got jumped off a goalpost on through a table. Um, uh, what's her face broke your arm. Uh, all this other stuff. And it, and if that one show was supposed to happen, Rikishi was going to put his ass in his face. <laughs> I go. I go. You're just getting beat up. What's left? Who's going to stab you or shoot you next? So, right. so that that's the argument we get in, and that's why I protect them. And I said, listen, man, I'm trying to make you not get hurt, number one. And number two, I'm trying to make the act special. So then we get into fights about that. But now I'm off on a tangent. But go ahead. <laughs> no, no, that's it's great that you bring that up because um, do you? this is – I want to get your opinion on this because I think with us being around freelance, we've been around freelance for like five years, six years now maybe. And we always felt like we always felt like you were booked, um, and every and like as far as I can remember, like you're always part of the roster in my mind. But I think then when you start yeah. teaming up with Frank, it felt like to me it was an elevated level. And do you feel like it was that like a, would you use the word career rejuvenation, or would you just use use like you have more to do and now you are on an elevated level with him because you've done some really cool shit since being with him. Uh, that little shit put 10 more years on my career. And uh, it, I was trying to get that over, independent sports entertainers. Um, he put 10 more years on my career because it added something. Um, it added a new dynamic. It added something that no one else was doing at freelance. So once that got going and it got over, then it opened the doors to do more stuff, tell more different stories, or be fresh. Because if you look at the freelance show, it's scramble match to open the show, tag match, blah, 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 blah. Nobody's really doing like a story, story driven anything. And we, and, and I fought to create a lot of that. Like, let's keep yeah. this, this momentum going. Let's do this. Let's do this. And uh, luckily it's worked out. But yeah, it, it, it did rejuvenate my career. It gave me 10 more years to, to tell some more stories and, and do fun stuff. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, Chris. Sorry, if I'm cutting you off. Uh, I want to I want to talk about the the Kylie Ray match, um, and then I think yeah. we can may- maybe get into like your latest two double title run. 
But the Kylie Ray match, talk about telling sure. stories. The Kylie Ray match had a ton of that, I think. There was a ton of viciousness on both sides. It's almost like it was a lot of viciousness at first for you towards Kylie. And then at the end, uh, you know, you were you were bleeding. Uh, which, which uh, uh, just talk about, I guess, that feud, why you think it worked so well and how that came together. That that worked well because we didn't just announce Robert Anthony versus Kylie Ray. He did a one-hand tie behind the back. We mm-hmm. built this, uh, this whole thing to have a payoff and get people emotionally invested in it. We, we literally went out there as cowards and took advantage of her under masks. That was the start of it. Yeah. We did a two-on-one handicap match where I had my arm behind my back and Frank was my tag partner. And, 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 and we were shitty on that. And then when we finally got to the third act in the play, people were so ready to see me get beat up and so ready to see Frank get beat up that it was one of the first, it is. it was the first freelance wrestling show to legitimately sell out over a month in advance. And there was people sneaking in to get into that event because it was so packed. And I'm very proud of that because that's a story that we told. We just didn't right. announce a match graphic on Twitter. We gave that Logan Square audience a good guy a bad guy and a piece of shit manager that they wanted to see die. And we set it up to the point where they had so much hatred towards two individuals that they wanted to see their hero come out on the top. And when I laid out what that third act would be, that entire match, I remember the the reaction I got from, from management. And again, a lot of it was my vision. Here's how this needs to look. Here's how this needs to go. Here's how we take them on this fucking emotional roller coaster. Because when you watch yeah. that match, you could pause it at different areas of that match, and it isn't just moves. It's visual storytelling. It's yep. emotions in that shit. The way she sells her things. The way I'm, the way Kylie Ray is hitting me the first half of this match, and I am not registering a goddamn hit from her. I'm not, this isn't a 50-50 match. This is a grown-ass man fucking saying, you can't hurt me, and laughing in her face. And that's getting the people, the the first time she hits me on the outside of the ring, that place exploded. And when they saw that it wasn't hurting me, they got even more, more angry and even more angrier. And when I'm fucking throwing her around, they're getting even more angry. Let him fucking get his ass whooped. And now when I'm bleeding, and I'm begging for forgiveness. That whole crowd is saying, fuck you. You don't deserve nothing. Kill him. Yeah. And that was like better than that. that that's why there's 6 million views on that on, on YouTube. That, that's why that, that match will live. And, that's, and, and I always talk about matches live and die the same day. Right? I'm not going to bury Alex Zane, but I'm going to bury Alex Zane. Alex Zane does the fucking jump off of a state off of a balcony with a mick twist on the 17 guys that lives for 12 hours and it's going to die the next weekend until he does something that tops that right um that was a quick flash in the pan amazing moment for him uh 
and, and again, I'm not bearing them, but I'm telling it. I did what I can do emotionally where people are going to remember that and, yeah. and let that marinate and fucking, and, and it's a lost art that I'm trying to teach a lot of the kids uh, in the school. It's not about you doing a, a double backflip. It's about how you get someone to feel at the end of that night. Right. And, yeah. um, uh, and, I, and luckily I had two, a couple of those moments in my career. One of them was when John Moxley power bombs me through the glass window. That moment will never die. I get tagged in it uh, at least once a month. People bring it to my attention. People remember it. Me getting powerbombed yeah. through a glass window by John Moxley. And, and we built that moment up too. And you think about all the death matches around the world. My one bump lives forever because we took them on that emotional roller coaster people loved. And the same thing with that Kylie Ray match. We took them on an emotional roller coaster with a great fucking superhero ending. Yeah. I know you keep saying six mils. I checked it today. I think it's like 7.3. Seven fucking million. <laughs> I think it's not pretty Please good. show me. Please, please show me an independent professional wrestling match with 7 million fucking views. Please show it to me. I don't know. If, no, I, I don't know if it exists. I think... I think you hit a great point on the head besides Chris and I usually, so our game, our uh, slogan, if you will, is wrestling as a buffet. People like different parts yeah. of the buffet line. I think you hit the hit it right on the head, which is Chris and I always talk about how much we love the storytelling, the long-term storytelling. People might watch different, people might watch wrestling just for that Alex Zane moment that makes them jump out of yep. their seat. That's the part yep. of the buffet line that they eat at. Chris and I are yep. on the slow burn. It takes three, five matches to get to this point. That's usually what we gravitate towards. Not that we don't like, obviously, Chris is a Lucha connoisseur, and the Lucha has a lot of those high spots. Um, so we like shit like that, too. But we, I think the most cathartic releases we get are the long-term storytelling. Uh, that's the part of the buffet line that we eat at. Um, so... That's why you. This started off as kind of a buffet line podcast, but I think some elements have been introduced, sure. like the the internet, uh, potentially your lack of time with kids, which is fine. So we're just kind of continuing to riff here, um, but usually we yeah, break no it down time. our our interviews into the three segments, which is the buffet line. Um, Chris, did you have anything you want to jump in with? Yeah, so I would want to do a segue off of that, right? You threw in the Lucha thing, and the first time I, I saw Ego performed was as Egotistico Fantastico. Can I get some 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 backstory on, on that, on the character, how it was built, and why, you know, built from Joliet, who you get a, a luchador masked guy, um, and and I'll tell you, I think the the first time I saw you perform was at a Blitz show. Um, yeah, I can't remember which one it was, but but it was it was a, a Blitz show for sure. And and it was sure. And it was to me, it was like one of the first indie shows that I had gone to, and and it threw it did throw me off. I'm like, oh, this 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 white guy under a mask, like, is it a one off thing? But then I started learning more that. Egotistical Fantastico is from Juliet. Blitz was running out of Juliet. You would get the the big pop, but 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 still, you were a heel. So I was it was not clicking with me at first. Sure. So uh, uh, I I I am a I am half Mexican. So you call me just the white guy, fucking 
Uh, oh, I didn't wild say just. I didn't say just. You, I just said a. You, you, said, you, know? you said this white guy in the mask. Listen, uh-huh. listen. My, my father, my father, one hundred percent Hispanic. Uh, my my wife, one hundred percent Hispanic. Okay, so just because my mom, my mom's on the Caucasian <laughs> side, you don't need to throw me in the fucking thing, Chris. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, Chris. Why don't you uh, give those white or half white guys a break, please? Jeez. Listen, I've been dealing. I've been dealing with these 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 disrespect my entire life <laughs> my my father has told me since i was 16 years old that i'm the world's tallest mexican and uh, <laughs> and, and, and that's that that's that's what he says that's what he says on me i'm six four on a good day and he goes he yeah. goes son you're the world's tallest mexican embrace it and <laughs> uh, even though even though i got the pale skin i'm telling you right now i'm not just a white guy in a mask so I, I'm not going to let you. I'm not. I'm letting you know right now. I'm not. Uh, I'm not disrespecting the uh, my my Mexican uh, brotherhoods or anything like that. You can't just. My my phone wasn't having it. My phone wasn't having that disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. So okay. uh, so so I'll, I'll I'll go quick before we get kicked out again. Uh. uh <clears throat> Sandman from ECW was mm-hmm. asked, "Why do you come through the crowd?" And the and this is me as a kid listening to this, and he said because no one else was doing it, and he needed to find something that no one else was doing it to stand out. So uh, I was a backyard wrestler, had a bunch of different names under the backyard, and I ended up getting the original Egotistical Fantastico mask. And uh, I would I would goof around, and the name Egotisco Fantastico came from me and my friend sitting on a trampoline, and one guy said, uh, "He goes, you have the biggest ego I know." So when you're wearing the mask, because we always do, we'd always do different gimmicks in our backyard fed. He goes, when he goes, when you wear your mask, because we're trying to think of the name for the mask gimmick that I was going to do. You said you should be yeah. egotistico something. And 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 the last name should be something like Luchadorish, like Fantastico. So then Egotisco Fantastico was born. That's awesome. I became a pro wrestler, training to be a pro wrestler. They asked me, what gimmick do I want to do? And then I thought back to that Sandman quote. And believe it or not, nobody in the Midwest had 2000, 2000, 2001. There was no mass wrestlers, as in, uh, at least young guys. It was it was a foreign concept, and wow. I said, you know what? I'm going to be Egotisco Fantastico. That's that's going to be my gimmick. And I was training at PCW, and uh, like if there was a mass wrestler at that time, it was some mid thirty year old whoever, and they weren't in their 20s they weren't doing high flying stuff so i stood out and and as soon as i put the mask on being egotistical fantastical that first year i got a ton of bookings because i filled a need that yeah. nobody had there was no 21 20 19 year old young guy doing flips in a mask and that's what they wanted right so uh it came out of necessity it came out of luck it came out of what was not happening in the area. And then you fast forward five years later, 
all the guys start wearing lucha masks and it became not special anymore but um i made it as special as i could and made it as unique as i could like uh from the hometown mexico city joliet yeah that's where you just go fantastico's from so uh uh that was different the weight of Egisco Fantasco was uh, was three thousand pounds or or something crazy. There was always something off that made you laugh or made you think, like what yeah. what is this, right? Because out of necessity, no one was doing it. Everyone was from Chicago, Illinois, two hundred pounds. Chicago, Illinois, and and here here here's. Here's you can just go Fantasco, the name you won't forget because it's so out there, weighing in at three thousand pounds from Mexico City of Joliet. Right off the bat, now your your ears peaked up because it's something new and something different, right? So, uh, uh, I did that, and uh, that, that, that's where it came from. It's it's you know what I'll give you you know what since I'm sitting down here I'll show you the uh, <laughs> yes I have it because I'm cleaning out everything. Uh, there's the original. There's the original one. Right there. Oh, oh nice. The original. Yeah, the original Egdisco Fantastico mask had a horn, which is broken right now. Uh, blue with the little zebra stripes on it. No top, as always. Lace in the back. Mm-hmm. So that's the original. Uh, inside was this plush, like, carpet material. Look, look, at, look at that fucking disgusting. Was that hot? Right? Was that, uh, like, sweaty? Did I make you sweaty? Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. It's like a blanket. That's what it feels like in there right now. It feels yeah, like a yeah, goddamn yeah. blanket. Uh, <laughs> no, that me and that mask went all over the place, man. Me and CM, me and CM Punk wrestled twice in that mask. That's awesome. uh, I went to Vancouver, Canada in that mask. I uh, I went everywhere in that mask. It's uh, it helped me. Yeah. No, that's. I love that. I love that uh, that you did that. Uh, yeah, sorry to cut you off. Um, I love that 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 happened because in our in our Twitter profile it says we embrace being different, and like that was the whole thing. Really, sure. the whole theme of your story was like, how can I be different? What can I do to be different? So I I think we we love that that part that that you had that theme um, because the internet is working against us here. I want to just we're gonna sure. we're gonna do two more things. I want to ask about. Sure. Just give me from start to finish all your thoughts on your most recent double title run because I really enjoyed it. I thought, and I don't know if it was because of your work with Kylie that elevated you. Into, not that you – yeah. I felt like you could always – because you've wrestled for the freelance belt in the past. So I think Chris and I always felt like you could yeah. be in that position. But a double title run is something that I don't think has ever been done. In, like, I mean, I know the mid-card no. title is newer, but still – um so just from start to finish your thoughts on that run and then i think we'll do one more thing and then wrap it up from there sure uh the double title run is special to me because i did something that no one again no one is doing and we made sure that i defended both titles on the same show and made sure that they were two full matches (laughs) i said no if we're going to do this, we're going to do it the right way. I want two full fucking matches and because nobody's doing it. Uh, wrestling 30 minutes a night or more mm-hmm. and with tough opponents, not throwaway opponents. You know what I mean? Like 
it, it wasn't a, a freelance student in the first one, and then Anthony Henry in the second one. It was it was it was Brian Keith and someone else, and this person and this person. So I, I, that was my big thing: was if you're going to make me wrestle twice, let's put some effort into it so it's actually special. Yeah. Um, because I I didn't want to be a cop out. I didn't want it to be like, yeah, you wrestled twice, but did you really wrestle that hard? Or did you really put any work into it? Um, I wanted it to be something fun. And I'm very proud of it because I was able to pull that off. Um, I think the only time I didn't wrestle twice was when I lost the title uh, to Brian Keith. But originally, I believe I was supposed to wrestle twice. But something happened. To where I wasn't going to, and it, and, it, and it got pushed back. But um, uh, yeah, every match was supposed to be, every show was supposed to be a double, a double, double thing. And um, and I'm super proud of it because again, it's something no one else has done. And uh, I did it to the best that I can do, right? Yeah. Because I'm not Alex Zane, I'm not Blake Christensen, uh, I'm not Dante Martin. I can't perform in that way. I used to, right? I used to be able to do that stuff, uh, but I can't anymore. And I was able to perform in a way that uh, is my own emotional wise. And hopefully people had a good time with it. And uh, I'm I'm not trying to think of words here. I'm trying to say is like, when I mentioned all those guys, and the things that they could do are really impressive. I can't compete with that. But what I can compete with is putting on a match that is emotionally charged. Because think about it, all my matches are a bunch of body slams, maybe a powerbomb and a DVD. And, it, and other than that, I'm just talking a bunch of shit. So yeah. uh, if, I, if I figure out a way to do two matches a night, doing a powerbomb, a bunch of body slams, and a DVD and make you not know that I'm just doing body slams, powerbomb, and DVD, then, then maybe I, maybe I, I used my brain and, and tricked you for, the, for, that, for those few months. So, uh, so I'm very proud that I was able to do that without it looking like a bunch of reruns. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I thought it was an extremely dominant title run. Uh, I think Chris would say the same. It, it definitely I- gave Freelance some, some life at, at, at a critical point, you know. Yeah. Um, where, where it was needed, right? It needed that jolt. And I think you and Frank came in and, and really sure. kind of put that, you know, whether the saying is like you put the company on your back or you just took your matches to a different level that that allowed the fans to experience something different in that show that made us want to come back the next show. Yeah, it's it was it happened. I think the timing the, the, of the it thing was that I wanted you guys. The, the, the... Go ahead. Sorry. Go the, ahead. the thing I wanted you guys to want. Yeah, no worries. The thing I wanted you guys to wonder as fans was when is he going to lose it? And I need to be there when he does. So, mm-hmm. so that was the emotional roller coaster I wanted the fans to go on because I, because I, I didn't just want to do one match a night and just defend the legacy title or just defend the, the, the world title because, uh, not saying it's predictable, but sometimes you could predict, oh, he's definitely winning against this guy, or maybe he might lose against this person. When you do a double run like this, and you're very dominant in it, and with with opponents that you think could win either way, 
it was when is he going to lose it and i need to be there when that happens so i think that's why that reaction with brian keith was so big was mm-hmm. they were sick and tired of of the shit and the cheating and all that kind of stuff and then when he finally won people were were really into it so again emotional roller coaster as we go along yeah no that it makes a ton of sense and i I think Chris's point of the timing too is like we were kind of coming out of the pandemic. And so I think there's some promotions that like kind of coming out of this yeah. still haven't built back up to where they were before. And I think you this yeah. title run for sure definitely helped freelance get back up to like where they were. And I think even there was a sellout too. And like I think freelance was selling out pretty consistently before pandemic hit. And now mm-hmm. we had one oh, after fast. too. So yeah, so I think you elevated it and try yeah. to get him back to like make up all that ground you lost because no one could wrestle for like a year and a half. So um look look yeah. look at this next show. It's sold out over a month in advance. This Mick Foley yep. show sold out a month in advance. So again, emotional. We're 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 on we're on full cylinders now. Yeah, absolutely. Um Okay, I think Chris, you so usually when we end a buffet line, we do something called word association. I'm not sure if you're familiar. We're gonna try it right now, see if the internet cooperates. Yeah, yeah. And you sure. give, we'll say we do rapid fire. You, Chris, will say a word or a person, like a, a letter or like a group of words, and you give one word answers. So, like an example would be like Chris would say Zello Pro, and then okay. the person would say Green. That's their answer. That's the one we try to get people on. I don't think Zella Pro's in your lineup. Spoiler in your lineup right now, um, and that's not a that's not a dig at Zella Pro. That's just one we. That's just a joke we like to do. We love Zella Pro. Very pro sure. Zella podcast. Uh, uh, but good. Chris is gonna hit you with ten right now. So Chris, whenever you're ready. All right. Well, the question is, Eagle, we are you ready? I'm ready. All right. The first one is John Moxley. Brother. Nice. Freelance wrestling. Home. CCW. Family. Potting with ego. Oh man, <laughs> fun. <laughs> nice. Freelance management. Oh man! (laughs) (laughs) What? No, you know too much. You know too much. (laughs) No, hold on. You know too much. Oh no! Oh no! That's with quotations because I knew you guys. You and Frank kept saying freelance management. Oh no. Oh okay. 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 That's right. the answer. Oh no. Chico Suave. You you all know too much. You know too much. <laughs> <laughs> Only one word answer? Yep. Yes. Uh, smile. I like that. Jolia, Illinois. Dirty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to change that. 
I want to change that. Okay. No, no, I want to change that. Casino. I want to change that to casino. Casino. Okay. Nice, nice. Casino, 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 casino. AEW. AEW? Mm-hmm. Yes. Ooh. Uh, grateful. Frank the Clown. The shithead one word. <laughs> yeah, I think it. I we can make an exception for Frank. I honestly think it is. <laughs> Egotistical, fantastical. Yeah, shithead. Goofy. There you go. You made it through all time. All right, that was really good. I think you did a good job. You, you fucked me up on that on that on that on that management, management one. <laughs> oh, I want to know who snitched to you guys. Oh, no, no, no. It was your episode with Frank where you kept saying like you're you just get, the word freelance manager was said like 15 times in that episode. So I was like, let's throw that one in there. It's an inside joke. It's an inside joke. I thought you guys knew too much. It's an inside joke. Okay. management. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I, we might we might not know the joke. I just know that you guys said it a lot. So I figured it would throw you off, which is, I think it, yeah. it, it it stopped you for a second. So we might not be. I don't think we're in on the joke. Uh, You're not. Okay. And right. No, right. no, no, no. Um, but um, yeah, no. So. The internet was work. I don't know how an hour just went by, uh, but yeah. thank you for your time. It's this has been a fun episode. Chris is Chris is gonna have to work some magic with the editing. We're gonna make it work. Uh, obviously, the internet sure. is some something that that is uh, to a large extent not controllable. Uh, but I guess before we go or we wrap up, is there anything you have the floor? If there's anything you'd like to say, ask, or just plug. <sighs> Yeah, so uh, number one, hit subscribe over on the YouTube, Robert Ego Anthony in the search bar, uh, Potting with Ego, out every Friday, available wherever your podcasts are uh, available, I believe. I don't know. All my stuff comes from Apple Music and Spotify. Those are the two biggest platforms you can kind of listen to. And uh, and I'm hiccuping. That's pretty much about it. Uh, thank you, guys. You're going to have to teach me how to do this thing. And fix this internet <laughs> issue because it might have been on my end. Uh, I use StreamYard. I think StreamYard's the shits, and maybe we should have stuck <laughs> to uh, the Zoom thing. I blame this whole bullshit StreamYard, but it looks good so far. I uh, appreciate you guys. Maybe I'll have maybe you guys on mine, and uh, and then and then I'll get to throw you guys some weird questions. Yeah, no, we would be we would love that, uh, and we would be honored. I think. And uh, I think keep keep yeah. doing it because because I've enjoyed it so far. Uh, I enjoy the one with your wife you. too, to, just to hear hear how supportive she is of, of everything. Um, so I thought that was a, just a very unique episode. So keep doing like, keep doing your thing. So tomorrow's episode is a freelance management James. that'll be a good there's gonna be some dirt on that one maybe from him he likes sometimes i feel like he he likes to say some things bro there's (laughs) there's a lot of burial in that goddamn episode the teaser teaser trailer is awesome for it i'm gonna release tomorrow the teaser trailer he talks about making six grand at the collective and i'm and i freak the fuck out i'm like how how did you make six grand <laughs> so good. Looking forward so to that. Good. I was like, you made six fucking, you made six thousand dollars at the Indiana Collective. How? 
explain to me how. And, and I go off on him. And I was like, I, I need a goddamn raise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. But so definitely, if you're listening, subscribe to it. Uh, but just thank you for your time. And uh, we'll see you at a show, upcoming no show. We'll make sure we say hello, for sure. For yeah, sure. Definitely. We'll, we'll definitely add... Later, uh, all right. Thank you. Thank you. We'll definitely add links to the description below. So you'll be able to find Ego everywhere else. As far as Two Heels and a Face goes, we are Two Heels and a Face, number Two Heels and a Face. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, uh, YouTube, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the next show. Is that James? No, it's not James. It's just a guy giving the middle finger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. a good note to end on. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. All right.